Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at DDDNFL on Twitter and of course follow the group at UK Packers and as usual, I'm joined by Meow Buddy Meow Bat. It's at IT Hedgehog. Pete, what's going on this week, buddy? Steve, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Other than the fact I've been convincing myself right out now how long that the NFL Combine this year starts on the 29th of February. Being it's not a leap year, it's, yeah. um, that would be like the Combine's not happening, I guess. Yeah, may, maybe it isn't. I mean, with all this chatter, I wish it wasn't. Um, yeah, there's an, awful lot of, there's an awful lot of ridiculous stuff flying around, but there's one thing that we do know for sure, Pete, and something I know that you're going to get behind, is that the Packers have $150 million in the salary cap solely just to sign players. Like, agree with it or agree with it? I mean, how do you feel? <sighs> Annoying. <laughs> I can I can hear I don't know if anyone else can hear but I can feel your fists clench I can hear it over the microphone Pete do you want to let us know what the bogusness is about all of this sort of salary cap issue and, and rectify the situation here once and for all so yeah it it feels almost daily hmm. that, that the more tweets the more posts the more podcasts you listen to that the, the amount of money that the Packers have got to spend in the salary cap is is increasing by the day <laughs> um is that not how it works? Isn't that compound so, yeah, interest? Yeah, no, right, absolutely. Not unless there's somebody going around doing a collection, putting in all their old euros and stuff, because we won't be able to spend them soon, and that that kind of thing. Yeah. Brings um. So 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 where where are we? So salary cap wise, so so the final number for the coming season hasn't yet been set, but it's going to be around 190 million per team. So that's the that's the starting that's the starting point. Yeah. And the, and the Packers payroll right now for the top 51 players, because only the top 51 count against the cap between March and the beginning of the regular season. And the reason for that is, you know, during that time, you might have 90 players on the roster. Yeah. You'd never get under the normal cap. So the top 51 Packers numbers around 162 million today. So that puts them 28, 28 million or so under the, under the cap. Yeah. Plus, the, plus the carryover from last year, which put, puts them around um, 35, 36 million under, under the cap right now, or we all do as of the start of the league year. The difficulty then, so everybody then immediately jumps to the conclusion, we've got 36, 37 million, whatever that figure is, that we can spend it all in free agency. Mm. You have to remember that we've got the, we've got the draft coming up. So in, in April... The slotted amounts for the Packers draft this coming year is $10 million, $10.2 million. So that's immediately $10 million that comes off of that cap number because you've got to spend that money. Now, there's a little bit of a rebate on that because when you put those 10 players into the top 51, you're probably taking out the bottom 10 at 500000 each. So you've got a net, a net $5 million coming off the cap, roughly speaking. Mm. And then you've got to account for things like the practice squad come September is more than a million dollars a year. And then you've got to think about all the injured players that you get during the season because you've got to pay their replacements. And knowing the Packers, we know how many injured players we seem to get. Um, <laughs> so, 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 the, so the, you know, the, the real number, I think, is a lot closer to about 27 million than 37 or 40 or 44 or whatever. So... 
Um, if we're reading out the numbers elsewhere, I think they're painting a false picture of, of the Packers' position. Yeah, which is the frustration amongst fans, as you raised on the pre-prod, right, where what tends to happen yeah. is, is that the numbers floated out there and then people do get despaired by the fact that we didn't sign people because they're like, oh, but well, look at all the space we have. And you're like, oh, or look at all the cap space, you know, look at, look at all the money we have. And you're like, oh, well, we don't have that type of money. Um, which is why yeah. when people tout names then Pete like um, Antonio Brown now I did see a mock draft now again I tried to stay away from mock drafts and I'm like I'm a big proponent of um, maybe just go to your Twitter app go to Twitter go to settings delete right just delete your Twitter delete your Facebook <laughs> uh, maybe try your computer out the window and then buy new items and re-sign up after the draft happens and read who we got after because it's it's all well and good and, and like we discussed the needs and that's where we're going to go into because this podcast is effectively a combine and draft primer um, so we're going to go into sort of our needs and the names that are bouncing around and sort of ex- sort of hopefully shed light. Well, hopefully you'll shed light because you're an absolute expert on it um, as to as to what's going on. But there's not for these crazy mock drafts. And some of them have us trading a first round pick for Antonio Brown um, and then taking some guy, you know, and then they try to get really inventive and pick someone that at a need that we don't even have Um you know, oh, and then they're going to get a running back and you're like, mm. and, you know, they try to tell us that that's who we're going to go for in first round if we don't have to trade away both first round picks, which, again, is absolutely ludicrous. Um, so where do you stand on, on trades like that? Do you think the Packers realistically could make a trade for Antonio Brown or safety at Earl Thomas? Or is it an absolute foregone conclusion by his reposting of, of stuff saying that he's going to Dallas that he is effectively off the table for everybody else? So, so I think that, I think that, that and so the Antonio Brown thing is really is really interesting, and and we you know we like to think that we don't have we don't have or we don't want guys that will be potentially trouble in the in the locker room, but I th- I think if we're honest with ourselves, every team has has those guys, right? And we and we don't know to what to what extent they exist, but you know it what tends to happen is that um, you you don't hear about it until after the guy's been released and then you just, you know, the Josh, the Josh Sitton situation from four or five years ago was exactly that. Mm. You know, he was cut on the final cut down day, total shock to everybody. And then it turns out, well, yeah, but he was a bit dodgy in the locker room after he didn't get his contract and everything else. So you never really know what's going on mm. there. If you took Antonio Brown's on the field play, you know the, the the last six years that he's had, I think, is the is the best six year span for any receiver in the history of the league. Um, so it's very difficult to to say that the guy can't can't deliver or or wouldn't deliver. I think it comes down to if there is a character question, do you want to introduce another potential problem in in the locker room? And I I, I just don't think we know really. Um, yeah, and you know, Gutenkunst has spent the last year or so kind of trying to get rid of some of those guys, you know, the Demarius Randall and people like that. So, so whether he would take a step and say, actually, you know what? Sometimes there may be guys that you might not necessarily like as an individual, and I, you know, I don't know when it comes to Antonio Brown. For all I know, other than what I've seen posted on Twitter, he might be the nicest guy in the world, but. Sometimes they may not want to introduce um, such a character into the locker room, or they may say, "Actually, you know what? We'll just bite the bullet, and the guy can deliver on the field." Would I give up a first-round pick for him? No, not at th- not at this stage in in 
in his career. And, and also you're inheriting what is, what's not a vast contract. I think his cap number's around the 12 million mark this coming year, and it's pretty consistent for the three years of his coming contract. So it's not a vast, vast contract, but you're still having to pay him what in fact is in excess of what you're paying Devontae Adams. Um, and does that then start to, to, to raise an issue with, with Adams? At what point does he then say, well, actually, you know what? I'm the number one receiver on this, on this team. However nice a guy he is, and he, and he really is, you know, at some point his agent's going to be in his ear saying, well, you know what? If they're going to pay him 12, they should be paying us 15. And you start to create those kinds of, those kinds of issues. So not only have you, are you creating a potential salary issue, but you're also giving up a draft pick to do it as well. Yeah. There's a kind of double whammy in that. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Pete, like I'm I'm a big proponent of if the talent is there, you can probably manage relationships if you're a manager relationship, but the yeah. manager, you know, relationship manager. But what I will say is that this is it's it's patently not going to work with Antonio Brown. And I put it out there and I know the Packers are not going to go for it, uh, you know, because me and Brian Gutekunst are tight, you know, me and Mark Murphy talk a lot. No, <laughs> none of that type of thing. But I think if we it, it's like what you raised, they've been trying to get toxicity, word of the podcast, out of the locker room for some time now. They're trying to clean up the locker room and to create a winning culture. Now, Antonio Brown undoubtedly has that winning mentality, so you can't fault him for that. He certainly has a contract that is palatable. Second word of the podcast, you can't sort of knock him for for those reasons. But what I will say is what's particularly alarming about this player is, um, is and I'm not going to get down into, into loyalty. This isn't Love Island. Um, but what I will say about him is that the trouble that they allegedly had with him uh, in Pittsburgh was that Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster, which is fun to say and fun to see him play is that he was <laughs> easy uh, for you to say and all right <laughs> but uh <laughs> yeah we'll just call him jj uh so jj was doing well in uh, pittsburgh and apparently antonio brown's beef was is that they announced that he was the mvp the offensive mvp in pittsburgh so he deliberately didn't show up for practice uh, and he had a bit of beef at practice uh allegedly throwing a ball at uh, ben roethlisberger which sounds horrendous but you have to bear in mind it is the NFL and they do that all the time. Um, so, you know, if he's throwing a strop because he's not the, the number one uh, diva here, um, the number one man on the block, uh, well, that's going to be a problem because Devontae Adams is the de facto number one. And yes, I, I understand that you could have basically two number one uh, wideouts. But if you have someone who's going to throw a tantrum because someone else has voted MVP and that he has to be the superstar, it's definitely not something that they want to introduce in Green Bay. Um, and on top of that, I think... You know, added to the fact that I, I don't think he's worth a, a first round pick, as you said, at this stage of 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 his career. I don't know. I, like he still has an awful lot to bring and he's still a fantastic player. And yes, his numbers speak for themselves. But just with the fact that his diva like attitude, the fact that he doesn't show up for games and then he's going to start this childish immaturity stuff of banging out tweets and Instagram posts like I really do have to question someone's sanity when they start, you know, getting into Twitter beefs and wars and stuff like that. We all did it. I, I did it, certainly. And I've been rubbed up the wrong way um, online. But I think as a professional athlete in a PR style world, you do need to remove yourself from these situations and really think twice about posting these little smug videos. Um, didn't he do it with... Um, um, Jesus Christ, what was his name? James Harrison. Uh, so he was on doing a video with him. And, you know, it was like, oh, a big uh, interview coming later. And it's like, oh, all right, lads, uh, you're not 12. Uh, give me a break. But Pete, before we get the before we lose the run of ourselves, we we missed out on a very very important thing to head off the podcast. 
And that was the Packers Limerick. So anyway, this is the part where I become a kind of um, a dancing leprechaun and whip out an Irish Limerick. Pete, did you try a Limerick this week or are you just going to leave it to the man who lives on the Isle of Saints and Scholars to whip out some of these Irishism? I, I don't have one this week, Steve, I'm afraid. I, I kind of, um, I thought I would just stop while I was ahead, as it were. <laughs> it was very yeah. difficult to beat the excellence of my first week's Limerick. I know. And, and yeah, it was simply that added to the fact that I just couldn't find two words that would rhyme with each other this week, so... Yeah, and the thing is, is that I'm I always told a line of going like super clean, super relevant, or just filthy. You know what I mean? So I think I've told the line on all fronts with this next one. So let me hit you with it in my Irish lilt. There was a head coach called the floor, who made ladies' jaws drop to the floor. They focus on his eyebrows, but let's keep this thing highbrow, and not mention the tingle in my drawers. So I think, uh, Pete, that's uh, that's this week's. It's it's a favorite of mine. Um, and it's, I don't know, I, I think it, it resonates because it's autobiographical, but I think it's best that we move on. He's a very attractive man, that's all I'm saying. Um, not to objectify him, uh, this isn't a sexist podcast. Uh, but, that, that, uh, almost, that, that almost sounded something like from a Carry On movie, that did. <laughs> well, I, I'll take no, nothing more of a higher compliment than that. Um, so look, we have this, um, so I, I don't know, I don't know if there's anything you want to add to the, you know, the, the wildness of Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Earl Thomas. Do you think we make splashes and moves in, you know, before uh, the draft? Or do you reckon that this is the case for Brian Kudekunst to sort of make another splash in the draft? And let me couple this sort of question, and, and hopefully you can speak on this too. Um, as a long-term Packers fan and resident expert, is there still too little game tape on Brian Kudekunst himself? I mean, do we not know how he's going to react to things? And... If last year's draft is anything to go by, do we expect or do you expect any heroics from him in moving around the draft in the first round with those draft picks to move back in the draft, which, as we all know, would make Packers Twitter explode? I felt like there was a lot of questions there. There's at least um, 10. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let, let's start with Earl Thomas. So I, so I think you hit the nail on the head earlier. It, it very much appears like he's going to end up in in Dallas. Mm. He wants to play there. You know, he played at school in Texas, et cetera, et cetera. So, so I think that he's going to be off the board. We haven't seen any free agents tagged yet with the, with the franchise tag. That doesn't surprise me yet because the, the, the period runs until the 5th of March. So in most cases, you know, the teams are going to be talking to those guys right now, trying to get a long-term deals done, even though, Landon Collins has supposedly cleaned out his locker and has left the building. <laughs> um, I think that Land I think that Landon Collins will be tagged by the Giants on the fourth or fifth of March if they haven't come to a deal with with him. So 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 typically what's going to happen is that you know you know and guys like Demarcus Lawrence and D Ford and Frank Clark those pass rushers the top level players they just don't end up in, in you know available in in free agency so. Unless somebody does a silly trade like like the Raiders did with Khalil Mack last year, you know those guys, those top 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 guys are going to be off the board if you like. But but there's a second tier, and I, and I almost don't want to call them a second tier because some of these guys are really really good good players mm. that that I think the Packers are going to go after one or two of these guys, and it, it's 
it's going to, as it always does, come down to how much they're prepared to pay them, but also what other teams are looking for players at at that position. Yeah. Because there's a bunch of teams like the like the Colts and the Browns and various other teams that have got four, four or five times, or three or four times at least, as much salary cap space as the Packers have got. So these guys are really, are, you know, can really um, spend the big bucks if they if they want to. Um, but if you look at the safety position, you know, I suspect Thomas and Collins are off the board. And then you're looking at the next guys. You're looking at Tyra, Tyra Matthew. You're looking at Amos from Chicago, um, Trey Boston. Somebody might even mention Ha Ha Clinton Dix. I think you mentioned him on the last podcast, Steve. Well, he's one um, of those upper echelon guys, you know, and I wonder will Washington franchise tag him or will they just, you know, release him? I, 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 <laughs> I don't. I don't think. I don't think they'll tag him. I think somebody will pick. Shock. Somebody will pick him up, and somebody. <laughs> yeah, so some, some, somebody's going to pay him. You know, an average of probably nine million dollars a year or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, on the view that he's a he's a better player than he showed in the games that he played for the Redskins last year. Yeah, and for the Packers um, over a period of years. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I wasn't. I wasn't going there. Yeah. Um, so, 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 so I, I absolutely expect to run at somebody like, um, Adrian Amos, LaMarcus Joyner, Trey Boston. I like Boston a lot. Um, and he was only paid a million and a half last year, you know, and I, and I, I would imagine that you can get him for seven or eight probably this year. Um, so I absolutely think we're going to make a splash there and I, and I think we're going to try and make a splash for, um, an edge rusher as well. And there's a lot of those guys out there. Um, so once we get past the guys that I've mentioned, I think will be tagged like Lawrence and, and, and Clark and Clowney and Ford. Um, Anthony Barr would be an interesting one from the Vikings. Very interesting. Would he get along in the locker room? Would they have to keep him yeah, away from Rodgers? Number 12 bike, really. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But he's a good player. Yeah. And, you know, and, 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 you know he's probably available in the 10 million a year mark which which sounds like a lot but in the in in the current market for pass rushers when Lawrence is probably going to get 20 or 21 million a year it's it's not it's not that bad um you know and there's there if you like is your replacement for 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 Clay Matthews mm, yeah assuming Clay assuming Clay doesn't come back so you know as a generalization i absolutely think that the packers are going to make a a splash for one or two guys and I expect them to go first after after safeties and pass rushers. Um one of each hopefully would would, would be fantastic and that would that would absolutely obviously help the, the position when we get to the draft at the end of April. Because mm. then you're going into the draft um almost able to pick whatever position you know you really wanted to yeah rather than picking necessarily for immediate need. Yeah, but you know, do you know what's a mind melt, Pete? Really, for me, is is that I preferred when Ted Thompson was there because then you knew we're not in the conversation for any, and then you're kind of you know where your head was at. I think Brian Gutekunst is, is playing that sort of card of his usual phrases. We yeah, where we're in for everybody, and do you know what? I thought that was going to be a really good thing, but it's really unsettling now because we literally feel that we're in for anybody. <laughs> it's just. Well, uh... And that's and that's and that's the worry, isn't it? Yeah. You're in for everybody, but you come second. But you come second in the race for everybody. Yeah. So you get your expectations raised only only to be dashed, you know. But yeah, that's so. I think that's where we are with free free agency. Um, 
I think there was a question in there about about Brian himself. Yeah. Study the game tape on Mr. Gudekunst here. I mean, do we have any inclination as to the type of players or if he's yeah. going to move around? So, so, so I think that I think that he's already, you know, as of last year's draft um, and and free agency, I think he's he's already shown himself to be um, more aggressive than Ted mm. was. Yeah. Or certainly more aggressive than Ted was in in his late in his later years. Yeah. Uh, um, that may be an early thing, whereas after a period of time to the job, he may get less aggressive. Um, but, but, but I think he's going to stay aggressive in the free agent market, and I, and I think he's going to be prepared to move around in the draft. Mm. Um, so I keep looking at, at, at the draft thinking, after the first four or five players, there's probably a group of 10 to 15 players where there's not a lot between them. Yeah. And I keep thinking that he's going to get to the Packers pick at 12. And you know what? Probably got four or five players that they could easily take at 12. And it just makes me feel like um, they may trade down from 12 to 16, 17, pick up an extra, probably second or third round pick for doing that. So not, not dissimilar to what happened last year. Mm. And, And I very much, see the draft panning out that way you know unless there's one guy that they actually that guy's there I've got to take him I I I think there's four or five of those guys I think they you know I could still get one of those four or five at 16 or 17 rather than at 12 yeah it's it's very interesting there's an awful lot of value and I think the thing is if we get ourselves into a position in a couple of years where the roster is looking is looking pretty tip-top I think that's more of the case where, and it's kind of counterintuitive too, because you'd expect that, you know, there's names thrown out there like Jakai uh, Polite, uh, Montez Sweat, and um, Brian Burns. There's some very talented tight ends. You know, with so many needs, is that I don't think there'd be too many qualms from people that they drop down because, with again, as usual, the run on the on the quarterbacks, and then you know. Although there does, does seem an awful lot of edge rushers are in demand as well. Uh, the top of them obviously being Nick Bosa, who's who's tipped to go number one consensus, apart from the you know the draft board hipsters out there who want to put him at like fourth for some reason. Um. So yeah, I think there's an awful lot of value there, and I think that once we get our roster set and we know exactly what like maybe two positions that we need to zero in on, that's when we kind of look to be fixed or do that shocker where we try to move up to get that one sort of you know game changing once in a generation player. Um, that we need if we're in a position if we don't sort of you know shore up the roster enough that we you know make it close to the dance so that our you know our pick isn't isn't that high to to do that type of stuff but that said so you've sort of said that you know there's a there's a number of different picks that the Patak- that the Packers could potentially have um are we talking edge rushers for sure with their first pick be it at 12 or later um and do you think that it definitely is a case that we move back in the draft from 12 downwards to potentially move back up slightly or is there is there anybody in the draft that would catch your eye Pete so much that we actually do the unforeseen and unthinkable is to move up in the draft with our first pick I can't get my head into a scenario where we would move up yeah and I and I know lots of people lots of people like to think it would be a good idea we might package the two number ones together and get into the top four or five or maybe top two or three but but I don't see a player in there that that that's so outstanding over and above 
are, are the needs that we have that that you would do that. The other thing for me, the other thing for me, and I think this this can be often missed, is that because you have the fifth year option on a first round draft pick. So in essence, you know, you get a first round pick now, and you get that guy for four years. And then at the end of the four years, you know, you, you can choose to have him for the fifth year or you, you can release him with no no salary cap penalty. That fifth year option for a first round pick is huge. And so I would never be giving away, you know, two first round picks to, for one. Yeah. Because I don't think I, I just don't see the value in that now. And I think that I think that what we'll probably see is New England picking at 32. I think you'll see lots of teams trying to get up to 32 to get that first first round pick. So the difference between pick 32 and 33 in terms of the value you get for a player is huge now. You know, under this CBA, getting that fifth they getting that fifth year option is a huge thing to have. So that's the reason why I don't think you're going to package your two first round picks and and, and move up. Mm. And 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 the other reason for me is that I don't think there's the va- the value in doing that. Yeah, and I mean, there's, and this is the thing that sort of drives me a bit wild about the the mock drafts is that there's, I mean, if you look at Daniel Jeremiah's uh, top fifty, we see some players up there that you're kind of thinking, Jesus, you know, we have them going to the Packers at thirty, but yet he might have them, you know, nearly on the top of his board. I mean, one of those that sort of stands out to me is the tight end T.J. Hawkinson. Uh, he's ranked yep. fifth on Daniel Jeremiah's draft board. Now, the thing is, I understand that this, these are the top 50 players and based on need, he's not going to go fifth. Yet on some mock drafts, yep. like the one on USA Today, um, has TJ Hawkinson going to the Packers at 30, whereas other ones have him going to yep. the Vikes. I don't know. It's, it's hard to pick out how we how we roll with this one. But do you think there's any credence in going for an offensive player first if the value is there? So, I mean, a name that I see sort of see bantied around as well um, is the wide receiver Marquise Brown. And people say that this guy is a Deshaun Jackson. Some people say he's an Antonio Brown. I mean, you know, they're, they're sort of putting him at the upper echelon of wide receivers. Is there any credence at all for us to really go for it and get a tight end or wide receiver first? Or is it definitely an edge rusher for you? If, if Hawkinson's there at 12... Mm. Um, I think you have to consider him. Yeah. So, so, so typically as tight ends go, particularly tight ends coming, you know, coming directly out of college, you're looking at guys that, that can, that can either block or catch a bit or more, more often, more frequent is the guys that come out that, that are so, so blockers, but are pretty decent receivers at the tight end position. Yeah. Hawkinson can do both. So, so he's a great talent and he's, He's he's very young. He's he's not even 21 yet, and that could be a good thing and a, and a bad thing. Um, but um, he is he is a great talent. Now the difficulty with him is, and I think you kind of touched on it when you described those other those other mock drafts. What starts to happen is is almost the hysteria around a particular player starts to breed more hysteria around that player, and suddenly everybody's on the bandwagon. About how great a player he, about how great a player he is, um, and it's difficult to know how much of that. So, you, so you mentioned the mock draft or the or the big board that got him up at number five. That sounds way too high to me. But 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 he's somewhere in my view in anti mark mm. um, in terms of where he sits amongst amongst players this year. So I think so. I think if he's available at twelve. 
then I would you, I would seriously consider it. Um, what he gives you, I think, as well, is the ability then to start splitting Jimmy Graham out wide um, into the slot or even even wider, which is where he has had a lot of his success in his career. Um, so you know, Graham's never going to be an inline blocker, never has been, but but actually. Uh, by drafting TJ, I think I think you're now also helping um, the wideout situation as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly does allow the wide receivers to sort of gain more experience and take the heat off them. Well, the one thing that sort of stands out to me about uh, TJ Hawkinson is, is the fact that one thing that the Packers have struggled in doing recently is beating man coverage. And he's allegedly a sort of a press man expert to, you know, to be able to beat that coverage. And just with his measurables alone, he's meant to be pretty dynamic now can i put it to you this way then i mean if he's available uh is it do you think this is the the sort of generalized draft strategy is that if he's available we go for him if not well then we do hit the edge and then aim for noah fant if he's available do you think that there's very similar sort of players between fant and himself yeah so so i think so i think i i think the general strategy is if 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 hawk's there at 12 but also some of the pass rushers that we'll get onto, like Chakai Polite and Brian Burns, um, Montez Sweat, yeah. possibly even the likes of Cleland Ferrell. If those guys are still there at 12 and Hawk's still there, I think you're in that, I think you're in that trading down situation. Yeah. Because all of those players are going to help your team. All of them have uh, a, a good value at that position in the draft. So if I can get one of those, and I, I probably don't mind too much which one of those at sixteen or seventeen, then I, then I would rather do that. Yeah. But if I, having said all that, if I walked away at twelve with Hawkinson, I would be over the moon. So, yeah, you know, I, I can see a, I can see a, a case for both. And do you think if we do that, Pete, that there definitely will be an edge rusher that is great value for money at the 30th pick, which is their next pick? Or do you think that the Packers try to do something to move up to ensure that they get value? Or do you think that the talent is deep enough that we're safe? So, 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 so yeah. So, so I think that if if they were to take Hawkinson at 12, and I think there's a fair chance that they may try and move up from 30, um, if one of those pass rushers starts to drop to say 20 yeah um then then i would never be surprised to see us try and trade up to about 20 to get one of those guys if they if they drop that far i think i think the 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 difficulty is that once you get past that group of four or five Pass rushing guy. So if you start at Nick Bozer at the top of the top of the draft and and, and Josh Allen, who won't, you know, they're not in in our conversation because those those guys have long gone. Yeah. Um, but once you get to the polites, the sweats, the burns, who are kind of around ten, around fifteen, possibly to twenty in the draft. Once all of those guys are gone, then there appears to be quite a big drop off after after those guys. Yeah. So, so, there, so you're absolutely right. There is a potential if you took Hawkinson at twelve, that you then don't get your pass rusher, and that's a, that's a danger. And so, this is basically why then you think the Packers are going to try and make a splash on the defensive side of the ball to to relieve some of this pressure and panic when it gets to draft time, right? I think that's what you've got to hope for. Is is you, is you have to look at the next, um, you know, two months or so free agency in the draft as two halves of a whole, and and. If I if I can fill some of those 
holes, using the same word again, in free agency, I don't have to fill them in the draft. And then my, and then my draft strategy changes. And where does that leave us with safety then? I mean, are you convinced then outside of the first round that we really do have to turn our attentions to safety or do we keep hitting on the edge rusher or is safety just the absolute priority come round two? So so they've they've got to get a safety. You know, ideally you'd like to like them to get I think that I'd like them to get two. Yeah. But but you know, whether that's a mixture of free agency in the draft or whether that's that's just the draft, I don't know. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a guy that's sitting around end of the first round, beginning of the second round guy, um, Nazir Adderley, who is a distant cousin of Herb Adderley, yeah. um, who seems to be moving up lots of mock draft boards, has been in a kind of second round area for a long time in lots of mock drafts and is now moving into the kind of top of the second, bottom of the first um, area. So, so he's certainly a possibility at 30 if you pick in there. It's not beyond the realms of possibility that he drops to 44 as well, if you know, with the Packers' second round pick. Yeah. Um, you know, and I guess the other one is the guy from um, Florida, CGJ, um, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Um, <laughs> yeah. Who, 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 yeah. Who, who again is um, probably a second round pick. Um, so it's likely to be there around 44 with a Packers pick there. So I think there's options for them to get at least one safety in 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 the draft. And Gardner Johnson, CGJ, I call him, because I can't pronounce that too often. Um, he's one of those guys that, that, and I think this happens with a lot of college guys, but he's one of those guys that you look at his film and he can be absolutely brilliant for three weeks. And then the fourth week, he's, he's awful. Yeah. And I, I, and I don't know whether that's just that's a young guy um, still in college, still learning the game. Um, he's only a junior, um, you know, so, so hasn't played four years in college before coming out for the draft. So, so I think there's probably a bit of a bit of that in it. But in terms of athletic ability and in terms of three weeks out of four, looks like a really good player. Yeah, and you know what? Like, I love the sound of Adderley solely because imagine having the Adderley back in the back of a Packers jersey. I mean, how amazing. Um, yeah, so I he'll, mean, have to, he'll have to have number 26, won't he? I know, yeah. So the, well, we're just going to have to move and shake to get to make that happen. So out, outside of edge rusher, tight end, and safety, we we obviously have to hit the O-line as well, uh, you know, with, yeah. with all of the injury concerns and, you know, Brian Balaga not being able to stay healthy and all the rest. So do you think that there is enough value there for us to address edge rusher, tight end, safety, and then hit the O-line? Or do we make a splash then early for an O-lineman if he's there? So, so, so I think that at some point, you know, we have to be looking at, at, at the replacement for Brian Balaga. And I don't know whether that's this year or next year. I guess in an ideal world, you're, you're going to draft the guy. Develop him for a year and then... Have him sit there. Yeah. Um, if, if we chose to go down the O-line route at about 30 or possibly 44, you know, um, great right tackle prospect, um, Dalton Reisner out of Kansas State. Yeah. Good run blocker. You know, it's definitely in that region of late first round, early second round type pick. Good value at that, at, 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 at that, at that position. Um, and, and absolutely is, is a guy that, you know, you look at, he could be your right tackle for the next eight to 10 years. Yeah. Um, there's also a possibility with somebody like Reisner that he could come in 
play guard for a year or two and then move to right tackle. So I, I, I like him at, at kind of the low first round, early second round um, spot. So I, that's not out of the realms of the realms of possibility. Um, I have seen some mock drafts that, that talked about um, Jonah Williams um, of Alabama dropping down to the Packers pick at 12. I don't, I don't see any, any way in the world that he drops out of the first six or seven picks. Yeah. If he dropped down to 12, then you're just throwing another conundrum, you know, another player into the, into the, into the conundrum because you're probably in an ideal world, you wouldn't want to be picking an offensive tackle at 12, but he's a, a real talent that you think, I, I, you know, can I turn him away? Yeah. Or does he just add fuel to the fire that says, actually, no, there's another player that makes me think I can drop down five steps and still get one of those really good players. Yeah, because uh, uh, certainly according to Daniel Jeremiah, he's very high on him. He says that he's the you know possibility of becoming a Pro Bowl guard very early um, and that he projects him that he's going to be a guard when he hits the NFL, although he's played at left tackle. Um, but again, left tackle, I mean, Jesus, what a, what a key place to have experience yeah. in and certainly a sort of... Um, you know, a great tool to have on the offensive line for sure. Uh, but as you say, whether he drops, who knows? He's ranked fifteenth overall as a player, not as a as an O lineman, just in general. Now, can we can we say sort of rest assured and say safely that there's no wide receiver or running back talent that we need to add early, and that it'll be the usual late round draft picks that we might try to add some competition. So, 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 um, a wide a wide receiver. So, um. Andy Davis has very, very kindly um, picked out a guy at wide receiver that he likes a lot, Debo Samuel yeah. from South Carolina. Um, and I know that Andy spent quite some time um, evaluating the wide receivers recently. Um, and he really likes, he really likes um, Debo Samuel. And, and, and I've got, I've got Samuel as probably a second, a second round pick. Yeah. So, so it, it it wouldn't shock me to see the Packers go wide receiver in the second or third round, um, you know. And uh, and Andy spent more time, you know, looking at those guys certainly than than I have. So I very much trust Andy's Andy's judgment on that. So so Debo Samuel at forty four sounds okay to me. Um, and the reason the reason I say that is, on the face of it, you look at the receiver position, and it's not bad. You know, yeah. you, you've clearly got one Pro Bowl, all pro level receiver and then a bunch of up and comers, if you like, that you hope are going to take the next the next step. There's another way of looking at that with my pessimistic hat on that says if Adams gets injured, all of a sudden your wide your wide receiver position looks really sparse. Yeah. You know, really, really, really sparse. Um, so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see them go um wide receiver early if they think that not in the first round but potentially in the second or third round if they think they can get value at the pick you know so if, so if i took D, D, if i took debo samuel as the as the example if if by the time the packers get there and they've got him rated as a say a high second round pick and they get to 44 and he's still on the board then you have to consider it 
Especially to go with, I mean, what a tandem to put him with Devontae Adams and Antonio yeah. Brown. I mean, you know, to add the two of them and have this guy learn. I mean, I like what you're thinking. I like what you're thinking. Uh, we've also drafted Hawkinson as well, by the way, at this at this at this point. So yeah. So so we've, so we've now given up on the idea of, of ever rushing the passer because we're just going to score more points than everybody yeah. else. So this this sounds like 1982. <laughs> Hawkinson first, and then we go for Noah Fan just to really show up because we're going to play triple tight end sets, uh, you know, as we we're so good at doing. Yeah, and then we just keep drafting offensive and just really blow the blow the face off anybody. Who thought that yeah. so, so I think, I think, yeah, I think you're right. So I think you mentioned you touched on Fant earlier. You mentioned yeah. Fant that if we didn't go tight end at twelve, would he be value at thirty? And that's mm. yeah, he absolutely would. Yeah, he's a good player. He's a good player, and in fact, you know, he was rated the number one tight end coming into this past college season. Yeah. And and if his teammate hadn't overtaken him, he'd still be ranked the number one. Yeah, it was very interesting to see. But did you know what sort of stood out with me with that then? I was kind of wondering, is the system there just, you know, very advantageous to the tight end position and it's really inflating these guys' numbers and how does that translate to the NFL? That's the only thing I'd be concerned about, I guess. Yeah, and I and I think that's... I, I mean, I wouldn't have thought so, but it's a fair, it's a fair question to ask once you start getting multiple players at at the same position. Yeah, and look at sort of opposition, the way everything sort of pans out. Um, but we do have to get past the combine first, and a big part of the combine is the Wonderlick test, uh, which <laughs> I know, Pete, uh, so you took that as kind of an assignment on yourself to sit down and do the Wonderlick test. Am I right in <laughs> saying that you got a perfect score? Uh, well, if 33 out of 50 <laughs> could be regarded as perfect. Yes. Um, yeah, so I, I was, I was fought back in, oh, it was probably, when was it? 20 odd years ago, I was given a copy of the, of, of the Wonderlick test that had been taken that, that year. Yeah. And so I sat down, and you get 12 minutes to answer 50 questions. So I sat down and, and did it and ran out of time. Yeah. So I never got to the 50, never got through the through the fifty questions, but I, I think you you may have an example of one there, Steve, with some of the very bizarre questions that are on it. I've got a couple of questions, um, and I know they're all very um, you know they're I mean if you know these questions as preferential because they're actually going to come up on the NFL field. Here's one for you: uh, some gobblesteins and pangantors, and all pangantors are gerbelsons. Are there some gobblesteins? Definitely gerbelsons. Uh, how do you feel about that one, Pete? <laughs> I have no idea. You see, the thing yeah. is, I think that if you're lining up and you see a formation that has both <laughs> Gobblesteins and Panjanters, I think you need to know if they have a Gerbelson extraction, I think is what they're trying to get at there. Um, another one, because uh, I always used to say that the Wonderlick test was kind of like, you know, there's four dogs in a box, how many dogs are in there in a box. But from the Gobblesteins and the Gerbelsons and, and all the rest, I mean, you know, and let's face it, some of the names that we see coming into the NFL, you might have Robert Gobblestein who comes in to play <laughs> um, a cornerback and you need to watch out for that guy. He's very good. Uh, Gertrude is taller than Janelle. Nancy is taller than Gertrude. But who is the tallest? Um, if you're ever tasked with uh, wanting to know how tall people are, um, and you're only given sort of, you know, you know, this linebacker. Clay Matthews is tall, but not as tall as Nick Perry. But Nick Perry is also taller than... You know, and I think that's important to have. Um, you know, there's there's basically. I can stuff... tell you who isn't the. To- <laughs> I can tell you who isn't the tall. Who isn't the tallest? That's Kyler Murray. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because or... he's five, he's five foot two. Is he really? Ish. Ish. You're close to it, right? You're starting to Ish. give me hope. Here. Five foot eight. 
Yeah, and I have look. We've people. Uh, there's, there's some uh, hipster out there who has him going first overall, with Nick Bosa going second uh, to the Arizona Cardinals. So go figure. I mean, talk about adding insult to injury. But come here. I'm gonna give you some. Um, I'm gonna throw out some names, and you're gonna come back and tell me where you think that they sat uh, in the Wonderlic test, right? So all of these players, I can confirm, got forty or lower um, <laughs> in in the test, right? Uh, Brandon Whedon. Where is where do you think he sat on the on the Wonderlic test, Pete? Twenty nine. Twenty seven. You're you're good. You are re- you are almost as good at the Wonderlic test as you are at predicting what people got <laughs> on the Wonderlic test. Matt Stafford, who we were supposed to call Matthew for the Detroit Lions, what do you think he got, Pete? Sixteen. Thirty eight. Oh, no, oh, yeah, you're really under you're undermining this guy. Now, the thing is, is we all know the uh, the drama that we spoke about on the vintage moment, which we're going to get to now in a second between Aaron Rodgers and Alex Smith all came down solely to their Wonderlic test scores. <laughs> Can you give me what Alex Smith achieved in that test? 38. He got 40, which is exactly why he went first overall, because Aaron Rodgers got. 38. 35 so those five extra questions you see Alex knew his gobble signs from his panjanters and everything else whereas whereas Aaron Rodgers hadn't the hadn't the rashers about where the gobshites and the gobble shankers sat it, it's it's shocking now let me throw uh, it. I, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure without naming names that there was a Packers wide receiver that 10 12 15 20 years ago I don't know I don't know when it was in recent living memory mm. scored in single figures <laughs> <laughs> which is quite difficult to do because I'm sure I'm sure you get points for putting your name on the top of the form. <laughs> yeah, point per letter. Yeah, he, he uttered a really short <laughs> name or just a really short memory. So now the last one then, uh, Tyrod Taylor. Any, uh, any ideas? 40. 15. <sighs> 15, which is probably why they benched him. He was probably couldn't find his way on the practice field and they were like, right, we're going to have to sit this guy because we cannot okay. afford that's that's shocking. Now, now, I don't know whether it's on your list in front of you, but there was somebody will know, probably Andy Davis or Paul Davis or somebody will know that there was a a punter that played for the Bengals. I can't rightly remember his name in the nineteen eighties, and I'm pretty sure he scored fifty. Yeah, the only player that's ever scored fifty. But like, I guess, Pete, if you're on the bench most of the time, you've plenty of time to be reading up on your general knowledge, you know, uh, gobblesteins well, yeah, and all the rest. For, he played for, the, played for the Bengals. He was punting a lot. <laughs> well, in fairness, yeah. Well, then it makes it even more impressive. Um, but look, we can't leave the podcast without talking about a vintage moment. So let's let's play the old jingly jingle and let's go back into the annals of time and talk about another time that Aaron Rodgers made us tingle in our nether region. Turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone. It is caught for the win. And Rodgers does this better than anybody. End zone. Cobb. Touchdown. Right, there it is um, with the inappropriate lead-in. Uh, Pete, we're going to talk about a very special moment in Aaron Rodgers' uh, vintage pass. Do you want to give us a, a general outline as to what happened on this fateful day back when he could only equal the great heights of the backup Matt Flynn? 
<laughs> well, I don't. Re I don't really know what to say other than, other than other than I'm not sure whether this isn't a Matt Flynn vintage moment. Yeah, it it was certainly a season where Matt Flynn sort of ripped off some some vintage numbers. So this was a game where Aaron Rodgers uh, throws six touchdowns in a half, um, and they they eventually won the game and happy days was against the bears they won the game 55 14 dropped the 50 burger which we all enjoyed those times when the 50 burger memes were ripped out but they went up a 42 and 0 halftime lead at lambeau field <laughs> do, you, do you remember this one uh vividly pete did it sort of strike you that we were in our golden era at this time or have you any sort of uh little golden nuggets to offer no no it it, it, it very it very much was a was a vintage moment and i'm and i and i'm not sure that um there wasn't a game against the Texans where he also threw. It may have been six in the first half as well. It may have been six in the whole game, I think. But yeah, so I guess we're um, 2014. This would be, yeah, I think. That that's. Um, I guess he's the he's the first only Packer ever ever to throw six and a half because six is the Packers' record for touchdown passes in a game, mm. and probably the first the first player in the NFL to do it since. It's Daryl LaMonica in the AFL. Oh, yeah. Jesus. And 1969. Yeah. The Mad Bomber himself, yeah. That's bonkers. Um But yeah, putting 55 points on the on, on putting 55 points on the Bears is always a good thing. Of course, all of us were screaming for the Packers to score one more touchdown in that game, get to 62 and beat the 61 points that the Bears put on the Packers in 1980. Yeah. Um, which would have which would have been very nice, but we're no, you're absolutely right. We're right in the peak of of Rogers's very, very peak part of his career between, if you like, 2009, 10 to 2014, 15 or so. Yeah, I mean, that season certainly felt to me, Pete, it was just kind of like that. That was the smug part of my fandom, I have to admit, where, you know, we could seemingly put up points. Um, I mean, when you're scoring, uh, when Brandon Bostic is catching the ball in a good way, I mean, you know, you're doing well because Jordy <laughs> Nelson had two touchdowns. Yep. Brandon Bostic had one. Uh, Andrew Corliss, um, you know, we saw his potential kind of leak away. Um, also, Eddie Lacy uh, when he was doing his thing and then Randall Cobb. So it just kind of goes to show us how much of an end of an era and what of, what of a different shape that this team is going to take coming into this season because obviously Eddie Lacy, um, you know, went to Seattle via Burger King. Um, Brandon Bostic was shunted out a long time ago. Andrew Corliss, um, obviously gone. Jordy Nelson, you know, big tears for that one. And there's a few storylines that come out about him this week. And of course, Randall Cobb looking to hit the chopping block more than likely as well. So we don't have any of those receiving targets left. And this was a time where Matt Flynn, you know, basically carried the night shift. You know, he'd come on late in the third quarter maybe early fourth and just sort of mop things up. And he was quite good at doing it too. And he got paid yeah. big style from uh, that game that he had uh, that you mentioned about the uh, the Detroit Lions in, in pre-prod when he just went yeah. absolutely ham. Um, so that dude got paid and went to Seattle as well. Um, so yeah, just, um, I, I guess, fond memories from, from that season, certainly. And hopefully this renaissance is going to be coming back under, uh, you know, LaFleur, you would have to imagine. Well, yeah, I hope so, and I, I think we've certainly got got um, I think we've got something to look forward to—a new, a new, a new offense, um, some new ideas—and um, we certainly at this at this stage of the season, February, we're 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 sitting with a lot <laughs> of deep hope. In. <laughs> we're deep into it. I think we have all the information we need to make some really educated we, opinions. We, we are 
if 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 they win fourteen and tie and tie one, they're guaranteed a playoff spot. <laughs> yeah, you can say that again. I mean, that's what we're going to aim for, and I think that's what we're predicting. Is that what we're saying here? I mean, before yeah. the before the roster even shakes out. But yeah, it's it's nuts. I mean, I enjoyed, and it says in this in this article that I brought up on on the game from Rob Domofsky. Yeah, I was just saying we just kind of got things going our way. Yeah, you did when you got forty five zip in the in the first half. Uh, yeah, you're gone. And I, if I recall about that game as well, I think that was one that really frustrated me because it was plenty of opportunities for Aaron to just completely bust through the ceiling um, with that and, and, and notch a couple of more touchdowns um, in the first half. And it just yeah. didn't happen for whatever reason. But it, Yeah, I, I, I mean, I've got the, I've got this, if my memory serves me right, I've got the feeling that he threw for over 300 yards as well in the first half. Yeah, 350 or something. Which which doesn't doesn't happen very often. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Eighteen and twenty-four uh, for three hundred and fifteen yards. So yeah, you're dead right. So over three hundred yards, which is just absolutely bonkers. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The analysts have written them off. Aaron Rodgers is too old. Uh, that's what we hear. Um, Jordy Nelson isn't in town anymore. Randall Cobb's gone. Uh, some of the other players, God knows where they're going to be. So, you know, uh, let the haters uh, write us off, Pete. But uh, we're not having any of it, especially at this point in the season. Look, it's it's an interesting discussion anyway that we've had. This this sort of primer and kind of like we've highlighted as well that we don't really know how free agency is going to pan out, um, and that really does dictate what we do in the draft and how comfortable that we feel. Yeah. So quickly going back to that, as we said, said that you know the combine starts this this week, not the twenty ninth of February, which doesn't exist <laughs> this year. Yeah. Um. Um, so we've mentioned some names. So I know that, that, that a number of our listeners will be watching it on the NFL network or following it on online and stuff. So I kind of got 10 names that I mentioned that I was going to read out this week that I mentioned on last week's pod. Mm. And we've probably covered most of them. But if there's 10 guys that people just kind of want to look for amongst the 300 that are, that are there, definitely, you know, the pass rushers, Ja'Kai Polite, Brian Burns, the tight ends, TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, Irv Smith of Alabama. Offensive lineman, we've already touched on Dalton Reisner. The other one that's interesting because he could go around the middle of the first or slightly lower is, is Cody Ford of Oklahoma. Um, we touched on Nazira Adley at safety. Um, the other safety, CGJ. Um, and that's probably about my list of kind of potential packer picks in the first couple of rounds the other one would be um andy andy davis's pick i was gonna say andy davis himself <laughs> andy davis's pick of of of, De, of debo samuel um def, def, definitely so so if i was you know going in pick some names to kind of look at those would be my kind of list of names of guys that potentially could go to the packers or be kind of around where the packers pick the other one that's a total interest but has probably no Packers relevance whatsoever mm. would be Kyler Murray the quarterback from Oklahoma yeah just really out of out of interest to see how he performs at the combine I don't know how many of the things he's going to take part in um, but he'll certainly take part in the in the workouts and the positional stuff um, and I and I think it would just be interesting to see what he looks like um at the combine so those would be my kind of 10 or 11 to to pick out and take a look at 
And Kyler Murray, fun fact, if people don't know, he's actually four foot seven. So that's going to be really interesting <laughs> to see how he does. Um, so can you throw one or two more names at me? Just complete guilty pleasure pick. Nothing to do with the Packers whatsoever. Are like, Do you think Nick Bosa is going to put on an absolute masterclass? Or is there another player that you think definitely not going to the Packers, but do keep an eye on him because he will be a certified star? The, the ones I think to look for, I mean, I think, you know, Bosa's going one or two in the draft and given his injury last year, I, I don't know how many, um, you know, whether, you know, is he going to run the, run the 40 at the combine? I don't know. Is he going to do um, the shuttle? Is he going to do the broad jump? I, I don't know because there's an argument that says, even though he was injured last year, he's probably going number one. Yeah. And he probably hasn't got anything to gain by taking part in a, in a whole bunch of that stuff at the combine. So it's quite possible that he that he a, a number of things. Ed Oliver's an interesting one at the University of Houston. So so he came into in, into the college season kind of vying for the number one spot with with Boza. Oliver's dropping down the draft boards, and a lot and a lot of that is is people can't quite seemingly work out what he is um so so so, so is it is a defensive tackle is he is he a, is he a four three tackle is he a nose tackle he's he's a very tall guy but he looks very slim and you know you feel like he needs to put on about another 40 pounds um he makes some outstanding plays but for lots of games you feel like Yeah, he's there, but so it'd be kind of interesting to see what happens with 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 Ed Oliver. Um, we we haven't touched on corners. There aren't that many corners. I mean, lots of the of the experts are talking about this being one of the worst year worst years for cornerbacks coming out. There's a couple that are, that are probably potentially first round. The interesting one probably is Greedy Williams out of LSU. Can I just say this um, is the best draft for weird names of cornerback? <laughs> <laughs> Greedy Williams, come on. Um, you know that's not his real first name, of course. Yeah, but is Rocky a sin? I mean, is that is he? Rocky is... sin. <laughs> are we are we trying to hit all of the seven sins with these? We've got Greedy. We've got you know Rocky a sin. I mean, what else do we have? Do we have Gluttonous McWilliams? I mean, what are we talking about here? No, I think I think he was one of the questions in the Wonderlick. <laughs> Um, oh god! So, so, so Greedy Williams is, a, is an interesting one. So it's a, so redshirt sophomore. So it's so only only basically two two playing years in in college. Yeah, one of those guys that some people have got him ranked really high, you know, in the top five or top ten. Others don't even see him as a first rounder. So he's one of those guys that's completely completely dividing dividing opinion. Um, so, yeah, I think there's an awful lot of names that we have there to to watch. And certainly um, we will see people's stock rise and fall because of these combines and how well that they answered interview questions and how well and how fast they can run in a straight line. Because we all know how advantageous running in straight lines can be when it comes to having to run routes that aren't in straight lines. So, <laughs> um, you know, and what size your hands are and how high you can jump and stuff. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. You, you, yeah, yeah. I mean, you'll be surprised, particularly... Particularly when they start measuring arm length, yeah, you'll be you'll be surprised how how important NFL scouts see that when they're looking at the difference between a player playing guard and tackle. 
Yeah, it's an, it's amazing, isn't it? But I reckon we we um, wrap her up. I, I usually do the sort of housekeeping at the start of the podcast. At the very end, NFL Europe shop, the link is on the website. Click it, get 10% off. Don't forget about that. Um, also, uh, thanks to all the people that uh, signed up to Patreon. Again, you know, I don't really bang on about it a whole lot, but if you want to donate, the podcast is free. If you want to donate, happy days. Helps us keep the lights on, I guess. But what I will say is it's kind of like a six-month, you know, pay-by-month for a T-shirt because after six months, you get effectively all of your money back because we give you a free UK Packers T-shirt with shipping worldwide to anywhere with your money. And if you decide to donate after that fact, well, then we thank you. That's patreon.com forward slash UK Packers. And we're nearly there with the first... A uh, couple of people who signed up for that scheme. So they'll be getting their t-shirts in about two months. Uh, so a big shout out and a big thanks to those lads. Um, and then on top of that, make sure you follow uh, UKPackers.co.uk for all of the coverage uh, from at IT Hedgehog. It's always fantastic. And hopefully uh, Andy Davies will be um, on there soon as well, of course. And me rambling Irishman myself. But uh, follow the Facebook group at UKPackers, at Instagram, at UKPackers. You can see the trend. Uh, Twitter. Believe it or not, it's not you, Ken Packers. And also myself at CDDNFL and of course at IT underscore Hedgehog um, for all your Packers needs. And from myself, Steve, and from Pete, it's goodbye for this week. Goodbye.